You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. As a physically weak man can make himself strong by careful and patient training, so the man of weak thoughts can make them strong by exercising himself in right thinking. He also said, a man is literally what he thinks, his character being the complete sum of all his thoughts. So what we are thinking really determines who we are and really determines our success. God is interested in you being successful. He's interested in you having a plan, a vision. Uh, yesterday in our men's meeting, Pastor Dan talked about how God has a dream for us and a plan for us. And so much of our dream, our plan, our vision is related to our thought life. We're going to use a story out of Nehemiah this morning. It's a great book. It's actually an autobiography. If you like autobiographies, I encourage you to check out the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is what we call a type and shadow. It's a picture in the Old Testament that correlates with our spiritual life today. And so we're going to run through the similarities between that and see how it correlates even to our thought life, how the Holy Spirit comes to help us. So, number one, the city of Jerusalem is a picture of our lives. So if you're taking notes, you want to put in the word Jerusalem. Our lives are like Jerusalem. What had happened here at this point in the story was the children of Israel were taken captive. They went over to Babylon, and they were there for 70 years. And in different waves, they went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. Zerubbabel had gone back. Ezra had gone back. Ezra went back, and he rebuilt the temple. The temple represents our spirit. When we became a Christian, our spirit was reborn, recreated, made new, 100% done. God comes in, he recreates our spirit. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new person. Old things pass away, everything became new. What became new? Our spirit became new. But my mind didn't become perfectly new. My mind has to be renewed. My mind has to be restored. Uh, after I became a Christian, I still had stinking thinking. I don't know if, about you, but I had some stinking thinking in my mind, and I'm still working on my mind to get it to think clearly, to think it to think right thoughts. The Bible encourages us to think on those things which are just and pure and lovely, good report, virtuous and deserving of praise, to guard our thought life. Really clearly, it says guard your heart, guard your mind with all diligence. Out of it flows the issues of life. When I became a Christian, God recreated my spirit. But my mind wasn't recreated. I have to renew that. Here in this picture, the temple was rebuilt. Ezra came, rebuilt the temple. That's done. But the walls around that city and around the temple, they're broken. They'd come in. They'd uh, tore them down. They burnt the city gates. Now, what that meant was that people, uh, the enemy, could come in and go over those broken walls, and they could steal, rape the women, kill, and there was no walls to protect that from coming into the city. When Nehemiah gets this news in chapter 1, he gets the news from his brother. He's been living here. He's got a very good job. He's the cupbearer for the king. He's He's a diplomat. He's an advisor for the king. He gets that news, and he begins to weep. He begins to cry. He says, oh, he's weeping over this city of Jerusalem. And he ends up going to the king and asking to go back and to rebuild those walls. So again, the city of Jerusalem represents our lives. We come to God, he recreates our spirit, but there's still broken areas in our life that God needs to restore. And he comes to restore that, comes to rebuild it. 
In Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, we read, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had survived the captivity, about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been burned. So secondly, the temple represents our spirit. Just like Ezra rebuilt the temple, the Holy Spirit has rebuilt our spirit. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. So this temple here is symbolic of our spirit, which has been rebuilt. So we need to have that picture in order to complete this story. Temples rebuilt, walls are broken down. Then thirdly, the walls of Jerusalem, the third thing, the walls of Jerusalem represent our soul, our mind, will, and emotion. This is an area that was broken down. And this area that sometimes in our life, uh, we've had uh, things take place in our life in different ways, and those walls are broken down. In our comparison day, walls are not bad, walls are good. Sometimes we talk about walls in a negative way, but this, in this comparison, it's a positive thing. Think of a boundary. Think of a fence. A city wall in ancient times protected that city from being destroyed. It protected it from being pillaged. It protected it from all kinds of damage happening to it. So if you had strong walls, people were protected. And we every day have a barrage of thoughts that come at our mind, whether it be through media, whether it be through conversations, whether it be through the written thing. But we have all kinds of things that are coming at our mind, memories and so forth, things that come at us. And our walls need to be strong to keep what's inside of us healthy. So toxic thoughts, emotions aren't um, destroying our lives. And you'll hear more about that through Dr. Carolyn Leaf. So again, the, this is what the walls represent. Now, some of the symptoms of a broken wall. Well, what, what would, how would I know if my wall has been broken in a different area? Sometimes our walls were broken down and it wasn't our fault. It was when we were younger. Uh, often we're counseling people that were abused, uh, abused as children. That's not uncommon in our day. And it's very difficult for them to move past that in moving on with their life. For some of them, until God comes and does a supernatural work and restores that area of their life, they find it very difficult to trust men or to trust a woman or very difficult to trust a teacher again or maybe even very difficult to, to trust a pastor because there had been abuse. Those walls had been broken down. But God comes along and he, he restores that. He, he comes. And we need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. For others, there has been addictions where the enemy came in when they were younger. They, maybe they weren't aware of it. We talked about it last night in some of the testimonies. Some of the men had shared how they were involved in addiction and their, their life was out of control. And they couldn't gain control. There, it was toxic in their life. But God, but Jesus, but the Holy Spirit came. And those walls were restored and there was control again. That no longer was the enemy just coming in doing at will what he wanted to do. Sometimes a symptom of a broken wall is depression. A symptom of a broken wall is confusion or fear. You know, one of, the, one of the biggest symptoms is lack of concentration. If you can't sit in a service like this for 30 minutes and concentrate on the message, something's broken. If your mind can't stay focused for 30 minutes... You paid the price, you got up, you went to church, you sat down, and you can't keep your mind on a subject for 30 minutes, something's wrong. Got so quiet in here. Mr. and Mrs. Amen have left. (laughs) (laughs) Our minds are one of the greatest gifts we have. 
Our volition is one of the greatest gifts we have. She talked about gifts in that little clip by Dr. Carolyn. She talked about the gift you have. God said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you choose. What is he? He gives you the privilege of choosing. He says, you guard your mind. You, I, you are not a puppet on a string. I love you and allow you to choose your thoughts, but choose life. I'm, I'm suggesting to choose this, but I'm not going to control you. I'll help you. Holy Spirit sent along to side to help us, but ultimately we get to choose. That's why it's so important. And listen closely. This is such a key point in this whole series. Never, never let anything dilute your volition, your ability to choose. That's why I said never be hypnotized. Hypnotism takes your volition away from you. And you do things that you would never choose to do. That's why you do not want to be under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Because it takes away your volition. You end up making decisions you regret the rest of your life. I went to party. I got intoxicated. I can't believe I did what I did. The walls are broken. I'm living with the damage of that. Thank God for the grace of God. Like she meant, there's a mess. God will restore it. To be preventative is to have Full control of your volition, of your ability to think clearly 24-7. The enemy would love to dilute it. He would love to take away your volition. You can have a weak volition by having a passive mind. If you habitually daydream, and it's K Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be. You sing Doris Day's old song. And you just kind of drift along. Whatever thought comes into your mind, you just kind of entertain it. Oh, I'm going to think about this. It's not actually a bad thought, but it's not a true thought. It's not a just thought. It's not a lovely thought. And so you just kind of go there and you drift along. And then another thought comes and you drift along. What's happening? Atrophy is setting into your volition. That muscle has become weak. If there's one muscle you want strong, it's the muscle of your volition. I will choose that thought. No, I will not choose that. I will not think that thought. No, you don't come into this city. You do not come into my garden. You do not come into my life. No, stay out. Do we need help with that? You better believe it. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do that. If we've got 60,000 thoughts a day, to take every thought captive. God wants us to succeed. You can't be a success if you can't control your thought life. If your thoughts are tormented, there's toxic thoughts going on inside of us. And so the Holy Spirit comes to help us with our thought life. Hmm. Proverbs chapter 25, 28 says, A man with no control over himself, over his thought life, we could say, is like a town with broken walls. There's an article that came about ABC's program 2020 a number of years ago, and it was written up in this book. And in this ABC documentary, the reporter, John Stossel, interviewed Dr. Roy Baumeister. And he's a university PhD guy. He was doing this research, following up on research that had been done years ago by Columbia University. And uh, they did a fresh sample of it for this documentary that they did. And basically, the whole purpose of it was to show that self-control would really determine success more than anything. Self-control was key for success, the way you controlled your thoughts. And so 
in order to run this little experiment, they repeated an experiment that Columbia University had done years ago, and they replayed it. They went to a nursery where there were four-year-old children, and with these four-year-old children, they said, here's the deal. We're going to put five pieces of candy on the desk, five pieces of delicious candy, these kids' favorite. And if you wait 10 minutes, you can have all five pieces of candy. If you can't wait two minutes, we have a plan for you. You ring the bell, and you can have two pieces. But if you can control yourself, you'll get five pieces. And so they, they did this, and they, they write about it here in this little article. It said, so the kids tried. It wasn't easy. Most visited, and look, as if they're being tortured. Some touched the candy. One boy counted the candy, maybe to remind himself that five is more than two. One girl looked heavenward as she wanted, seemingly to ask God for help. At the end of the day, seven out of nine kids tested lasted the full ten minutes. Most spent some time with their hand hovering over the bell. (laughs) Ringing the bell would mean that they were not strong enough and would take two pieces of candy. So it was a test on self-control. Then they referred back to the study that Columbia University did. And they tracked an earlier study, same experiment. They tracked these children. There was a large number of them over 30 years. And they found out that those children that had self-control at the age of four were highly successful compared to the others. And so at the end of it, this doctor says this, if we're concerned about raising children to be successful and healthy and happy, forget about self-esteem, concentrate on self-control. We're not saying self-esteem is important. Self-control is huge for your success. Where is self-control? What do you have to control? Your thoughts. Now think about the Holy Spirit. What is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Self-control. So what is that? The whole, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in your life is he helps us with our thought life. There's a lot of teaching on the Holy Spirit. Wednesday night, we're going to teach about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is an area of the Holy Spirit that's not often taught. He comes alongside to help us. Philippians says that he is at work in you, in your thought life, both what? To will and do his good pleasure. He's there to help you with your will, help you with your volition. Wow. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. I know you're just quiet because you're taking it in. But listen, there's God's working at you, within you. That's why it says in Romans 8, 13, by the Spirit, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the flesh. Your flesh wants to go one way. Your flesh says to your brain, I don't want to exercise. Don't put me in the gym. It hurts. Please don't put me in the gym. And then afterwards, your flesh says, oh, sleep in, sleep another hour. Then your flesh says, oh, have eight pieces of banana cream pie. Not one, have eight. And then your flesh says, go back to bed, don't work. See, if you follow your flesh, how many know you'll die? It's like a car. Ever driven a car with a bad steering wheel alignment? You, you have to have both hands on your steering wheel really tight. If you take your hands off the steering wheel for just half a minute, your car goes into the ditch. That's what your flesh is like. If you take your hands off of controlling those thoughts, what your flesh wants, it doesn't take long and you're in a ditch. You're doing things that, why did I do that? It's hard to live that way. God knew that. He says, I won't leave you alone. I know you need help. In one of the most important areas of your life, your thought life, I will send the Holy Spirit to be your helper. And more than that, I know that before you knew this, the enemy came along and he kicked down a bunch of areas of your life and you find yourself really weak in that area 
And it seems almost at will the enemy comes back in and reminds you of past memories. He reminds you of negative things. He reminds you what happens to you, and you can't seem to get past that. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to rebuild that area, and that is no longer going to be part of your life. You will be free. You will be strong, and those harassing thoughts will no longer torment you because I, the Holy Spirit, love you, and I will rebuild that area of your life. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who's come to help us. The fourth character in this scenario is a guy by the name of Sam Ballad, and I encourage you to go to Nehemiah this week. Read Nehemiah chapter 1, chapter 2. You can read 3. 3 is just all about the different characters who build. Then go to 4 and 5. Next week we'll talk more about Sam Ballad's tactics. He's just a picture of the enemy, Sam Ballad. He's our enemy. Sam Ballad is like Satan. And Sam Ballad is really, really, really... It says very indignant. He's very ticked off that Nehemiah shows up. He's really upset because Nehemiah shows up and he wants to restore it. Sambal, why doesn't he like it? Because up till now, Sambal had ran it. It was illegal, but he ran it. He'd run into the city, take what he wanted, leave. Run in, take what he wanted. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah shows up and says, no, you don't. So Sambal is upset. Chapter 2, verse 19, I put that verse in there for you. When Sambal the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us, despised us, and said, what is this thing you're doing? What are you doing? Ah, you're going to church? What? You're renewing your mind? What? You're praying? What? You read a Bible? What? Ah, despised. <laughs> Some of you have had that. You say, no, I'm, I'm going I'm to follow... I decide to follow God. I decide to go to Alpha. I decide to be part of a life group. What? What? Despised. And next week we'll talk about some of the other tactics. You say, yeah, that parallels exactly the way Satan comes at me. Why? He doesn't want those walls restored. Because when the walls are restored, you're safe. You're strong. You can't be harassed. Your future's strong. Colossians 1.13 says, He rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. He brought us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Five, Nehemiah, we talked about this way. He represents the Holy Spirit who has come to help us rebuild the walls. Of course, Jesus had said, I will send the Holy Spirit to be your helper in John chapter 14. Let me just wrap up by saying, here's what Nehemiah took to rebuild the walls. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life to help you in this area, and God knows we all need help, Folks, there's not a one of us here this morning. Nobody is excluded. Every one of us is here this morning. We need help controlling our thought life. The battle's in between our ears. And Holy Spirit says, I'm going to help you. One thing that God brings is time. The first thing Holy Spirit, or Nehemiah, asks the king for, king representing King Jesus, he sends the Holy Spirit, he, king sends Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes before the king and says, I'd like some time off. He's not asking for a month off. He's not asking for a week off. He gets 12 years off. It represents a lot of time. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he's not a hitchhiker. He doesn't just stay like some friends for a couple months, a couple years. You graduate from high school, you don't have those friends in your life anymore. The Holy Spirit comes in your life, he comes to stay. He's with you always. He's there. Even when you mess up, he's there. He continues to work in our life. So he asks for time. The Holy Spirit comes, continues to work in our life. It says in Nehemiah 6, uh, 15 to 16, the wall was finished in early September, just 52 days after we had begun. Let's read on. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated, and they realized, look at this closely, that the work had been done with the help of our God. 52 days, 
52 to rebuild the walls. It was supernatural. And you'll find out through Carolyn Leaf and the, her teaching that she's going to have as we go through this course. It's not a lifetime to change patterns of thinking that have been in your life for years. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can change it supernaturally. And people say, my goodness, how did you do that? You are not the same person. You, you, you have changed. What is it? It's been the help of God. God came into my life. He's restored me. He's renewed my mind. I'm not the same person anymore. So time. Secondly, he brings authority. Nehemiah had asked the king for letters of authority over that area to control it, to be an authority there. And when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he is in authority. That's really important. Because up till now, Sam Ballot could do what he wanted. Satan could do what he wanted. But when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, no longer the case. Sam Ballard has been tormenting Jerusalem. He's been coming and going at will. And everybody knows he's the big bully that runs around. But one day, over the horizon comes an army, horsemen. And in front of him is Nehemiah. They ride into Jerusalem. Sam Ballard, who's been there, the bully the whole time, stands up and says, Hey, who are you guys? And Nehemiah says, We've been sent from the king. My name is Nehemiah, and this is the king's horsemen that have been sent with me. He said, well, what do you want? He said, Nehemiah, I have a letter for you. I'd like you to read this, please. It's a letter of authority. So Nehemiah, uh, Sambalad takes it and reads it. It reads something like this. Sambalad, you no longer have authority over this jurisdiction. Full authority has been now been granted to Nehemiah. If you resist in any way, or if you trespass in any way, you will be cast out. For greater is Nehemiah that is in the city than you that is outside the city. Signed, the king. And when Jesus comes into your life, that's the letter of authority that's read to the devil. You no longer have a right. You no longer have a memorial. You no longer have any place in this individual. For greater is he that is in him than he that is in the world. That authority came with the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. Wow. And so when Sanballat shows up, Satan shows up and says, I want to do to you what I used to do. I used to bug you. I used to harass you. I used to remind you. I used to bring guilt and shame and addictions and all these thoughts, lust. But then the Holy Spirit says, wait a minute. You're no longer an authority. You no longer have a right here. This child has been bought by God. He is the temple of the Holy Spirit. She is a new creation. You're trespassing. You have no right, no jurisdiction, no memorial here. So he brings authority to the Holy Spirit. He also brings with him supplies. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Nehemiah goes to the king. He says, King, I'm going back to restore the walls, but I'm going to need some supplies. Could I have an open letter, a blank check, for your supplies. And the king says, you're rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem? Yes, sir. I need an open letter. You have an open letter. All the supplies you need, you will never run out. And that's good news for us. Because when God starts on our lives helping us, he never, never runs out. Wow. Whatever is needed for us to restore our lives, God is at work to restore what is needed. He finishes. He is more than enough to finish the work that he began. And then lastly, there's a bonus here. Nehemiah didn't ask for this. He asked for those other things, but there's one thing he gets that he didn't ask for. And the king says, by the way, you don't have to go by yourself. I'm going to send a cavalry, cavalry with you. I'm going to send an escort, an army escort, horsemen, and they're going to accompany you there. God sent the Holy Spirit in your life 
but I've got good news for you. That's not all he sent. He sent angels. He has given his angels charge concerning you. Hebrews says that there's angels sent to minister the heirs of salvation. We don't talk a lot about angels. We, we sometimes do a teaching session on angels. They're mentioned a lot in the Bible. They don't want any praise. They don't want to be worshipped, but they are there. They're in the room here today. Angels are here. They're present. And uh, as they're here today, they're with you when you go. There's guarding angels. There's protecting angels. And the Holy Spirit is with you. But there's also angelic help goes with you. Sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. You are an heir of salvation. And he sends angels to help you. When you leave, angels go with you. Hallelujah. God is really interested in our lives. He's really interested in the success of our lives. And he sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper. So let's take a moment to bow our heads and just take a moment to pray. As we've been talking, the Holy Spirit has already been at work. And you're thinking about an area, perhaps, that has been broken down. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was something that happened in your past and it has bothered you. Maybe it's a thought pattern, a toxic thought pattern. Maybe it's complaining, negative attitude. You always see the negative in others. You have trouble seeing the positive in somebody else. Or maybe it's being an addiction or an area of your life where it was broken down. And you've tried. You have looked for ways to overcome that. And today you've just heard the Holy Spirit's been sent to help you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.